Hello to all paranormal scrutineers and seekers of the strange. Welcome to the first Shot of Strange of 2024. Welcome also to the spirits tuned in through the ether. I know that Dale Winton and MR James are big fans. For this first Shot of Strange of 2024, we will hear another extract from the Journal of Nigel Fenwick. Nigel was one of the original creators of the Occultaria of Albion back in the 70s and 80s. If you would like to explore the publications and case files produced by the Occultaria of Albion, then you can find them all at occultariaofalbion.co.uk. If you enjoy this podcast or any of the work we produce, then please consider supporting the OA with a small donation at ko-fi.com forward slash occultaria. Any love and support you can show is very gratefully received. So, let's open Nigel Fenwick's journal and hear about the unquiet spirits at the vicarage. Roland Clark and I would receive requests from people to investigate unusual or supernatural phenomena which were having a detrimental effect on their life. We often found requests of this nature quite troubling, as neither of us were what you might call experts. We were merely writers and amateur scrutineers of the strange. Yet, we always tried to help as much as we could. On one occasion, we were contacted by an old friend of Roland's by the name of Mike Ginty. He had recently purchased an old vicarage on the edge of a village called Swinbrook. Swinbrook itself is near to a Civil War battlefield site named after the village. The vicarage dated from the early 19th century and romantic poet Robert Hartley was said to have lived there for a period in 1821. It was the ghost of Hartley that was thought to be one of the unquiet spirits in the vicarage. Mike Ginty was hoping we might be able to shed some light on the nature of the hauntings in his new home. He was desperate to know that the strange goings-on didn't only exist in his head. The poor man was incredibly rattled. Of course, Roland and I felt we had to help somehow. So it was that we found ourselves agreeing to spend the night, alone, in Swinbrook Vicarage. We packed our things and made the journey in Roland's Ford Cortina, arriving at Swinbrook at around 6pm. Mike met us and gave Roland and myself a brief tour. Mike was going to spend the night in a nearby hotel. It was then that he revealed to us there would be a third guest, Julia Gordon, a local newspaper reporter invited by Mike to be a part of the proceedings. Both Roland and I felt cross with what had been arranged behind our backs. We had thought this was a private matter, wherein we were helping a friend. Now a journalist was involved. It was too late to back out. So on we went with our night in a haunted vicarage. Julia Gordon was fairly anxious about it herself. She had been sent along by her editor. As Mike rather sheepishly drove away, Julia promptly informed us that the local legend was that the vicarage had at one time been used for devil worship involving human sacrifice. It certainly turned out to be an eventful evening. Roland had brought some sound recording equipment, as well as other various sensors and gizmos. We set these up in various rooms of the house. 
It was decided that we would all sleep in the same room together and take it in turns to keep watch. The library was selected, as it had two large sofas and a chaise long, so we could all have somewhere to lay down. I took first watch from 10pm until midnight. I did a brief patrol of the ground floor and the garden before returning to the library just before midnight. On entering the library, I saw that around a hundred books had been removed from the shelves and stacked upon the floor. Both Roland and Julia had not heard anything, nor had they touched any of the books. We photographed what we saw. Shortly after midnight, we heard unusual sounds from upstairs, banging and moaning. At this point, all three of us stuck together and went to investigate. We looked in each room, most of which were empty or full of boxes from the move. There was only us in the house. Julia was beginning to feel quite frightened at this point, and I confess that Roland and I were also feeling agitated. The noises started up again. A terrible moaning and an angry male voice which did not seem to appreciate our presence. It seemed to be coming from the room at the far end of the landing. Roland told us to investigate and he would stay where he was and see if anything appeared in the corridor. Julia had recovered somewhat at this point and grabbed hold of my arm. Come on, she said. Let's give it what for. We both marched toward the door the noises from within growing louder. I confess I let out a slight scream as we entered the room. Of course, this was from fear of the unknown. The room, however, was empty with nothing more than bare floorboards and unpacked boxes. The voices and the moaning sound we had all heard just moments before had ceased. Roland shook his head, knowing something wasn't right. We're being set up, he told us. And I couldn't help but think that he was right. Julia agreed and immediately began to check through some of the boxes in the room. That's when we found the source of the ghostly noises. It would seem that the new owner of the vicarage, Mike Ginty, had some audio equipment of his own, speakers and tapes hidden in several different boxes and all controlled from a single source, the loft. His scheme had been foiled and Ginty soon appeared looking rather sheepish. He had never actually left the vicarage and gone to a hotel. Instead, he parked his car in nearby woods and then snuck his way back into the house and into the loft. From there, he controlled the various tape devices, some of which were on timers and some of which were manually controlled. Roland, Julia and I were disgusted that we had been taken for fools. Needless to say, the article which appeared in the local newspaper had rather the opposite effect than Ginty had hoped for. Roland's friendship with the man ceased that night, and he refused to ever speak with him again. It wasn't until a couple of days later that I remembered, what about the books which had stacked themselves in the library? Ginty had confessed that all his equipment had been set up on the upper floor of the vicarage, but there were no tape machines or other gizmos on the ground floor where we were staying. As soon as we realised, Roland and I looked at the photographs we had taken and the audio recordings we had made from the library. We could not explain what had caused the books to stack themselves. We couldn't help but laugh. It appeared that the vicarage did indeed have some sort of paranormal activity and of a very potent kind. The last we heard, Mike Ginty was desperate to be believed that there was a ghost in the old vicarage. 
one that plagued him daily. Of course, after he had cried wolf, no one would take him seriously. For more information on this, and to read our more detailed case files, go to occultariaofalbion.co.uk Please remember that liking, subscribing and sharing about the Occultaria of Albion is really appreciated. You can find us on Instagram at Occultaria of Albion and on Twitter at Occultaria. Thanks for listening.